Hey everybody, this is Fem Pop, pop culture podcast about what catches our eye. I'm Peggy Ray Hargarten. I'm Jennifer Wainscott. And today we are talking about Fantastic Beast Crimes of Grindelwald. And we actually have a bunch of other stuff that we're going to talk about very briefly exciting things to look forward to. So uh, after we talk about Fantastic Beasts, wait to hear some pretty exciting news about our Instagram and some pretty famous people. Yeah, so hold on to your pants. But before we do, let's just start with Fantastic Beasts. Jennifer, what is it? And then let's talk about your initial reaction to the movie. For those of you who have been living under a rock... Um, or who just hate everything. <laughs> Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald is the sequel, the follow-up, part two of three to the Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them movie trilogy. This is a continuation of the world of Harry Potter. It is a storyline that takes place uh, several decades before the Harry Potter storyline from the books right. takes place. Uh, so Fantastic Beast was originally... Uh, named as a textbook in Harry's classes, in his Care of Magical Creatures class. Uh, in the early 2000s, J.K. Rowling wrote like a very small paper version of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, along with Quidditch Through the Ages, for uh, like a charity event. All proceeds went to charity. And then nothing really happened with it until just a few years ago when they decided to shift it into a movie uh, plot, film plot. And so here we are, part two. Part one came out a couple of years ago, and uh, this one just came out recently. My initial reaction is, one, I love anything with the Wizarding World gets more uh, delved into, broadened, fleshed out, and I would probably give Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, an A-. minus. Okay. Peg, you got to see the movie over Thanksgiving. I did. I didn't like it. Yeah, I totally understand that. I didn't like it. I'm just like, what? What's going on? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings. I think I gave it an A- in large part because I still love anything Wizarding World. But the minus is real. It's like, okay, you watch the whole movie, and then at the end it's like, oh, it was nothing that we've been talking about this whole time. Listen... I had an hour-long conversation over the phone with an acquaintance about this movie because I had so many thoughts and feelings. I don't even talk to my friends on the phone for that long. Right. You never talk to me. That I'm actually kind of hurt. Well, now that you've seen the movie, maybe we can arrange something. <laughs> but I had so many thoughts and feelings, and I think, here's the thing, if part three disappoints, that will shift the grade that I give part two. Uh-huh. Because I'm, I'm allowing space for part two to set things up for part three. If part three comes in and brings it all together, I will be okay. It's going to be a big task. It's going to be a huge task. And the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. And I kept thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and there was a lot of stuff that I liked that was just super fun. Just magic fights... Who doesn't love a good magic fight? Love a good magic fight. Um, you know, the idea of seeing Dumbledore as a young man, mm-hmm. which, like, okay, how mi- how long is between Dumbledore? And why is he wearing a three-piece suit? Like, wh- why is it... 
he's like 500 years older in the Harry Potter Here's movies. Here's a more important question. Why isn't his nose broken? That's a major plot point in Dumbledore's backstory, and his nose is meant to be broken at least once, if not twice by this point. It is not broken at all. Yeah. Not even once. It's just hard to believe that you go from Jude Law wearing his normal clothes that he wears in 2018 to, like, 30 years later, you're all of a sudden look 500 years Not older. 30 years later. This happens in the 20s. Harry Potter happens in the 90s. So it's a good 70 years later. Uh, and in Harry Potter world in the 90s, Dumbledore is around like 112, 120. Yeah, I guess it I Wizards guess it age works. a little bit slower than muggles. Mm. I, I see your point, though. Dumbledore is very attractive in Fantastic Beasts, and it's questionable. It's questionable. Yeah. Yeah. But I have a lot of thoughts and feelings on that, too. Okay. I I see that you have a lot of thoughts and feelings. I don't know if this is the right place because, you know, our listeners do have other things to do besides listen to me all day long. But (laughs) do they really? So what did you love about the film? I did love certain things. The visual aesthetic, so strong. Yeah. Whether you like the plot, whether you like the characters, the visual aesthetic is astounding. And I think it's just a very beautiful film. Yeah. I, one thing that we talked about was Newt's complex magic mm-hmm. and his spell, his detective spell. Oh, and that you, gold dust following like the trace memories. Yeah. It using was, the Nifflers to suss it out. Yeah, super cool, super pretty. And, you know, in Harry Potter, you refer to complex magic, but you don't really see it except in potion making. Everything mm-hmm. is just sort of Wingardium Leviosa, boom, you mm-hmm. know. So it was really cool to see a bunch of different, like, yeah. neat magic stuff. Oh, so fun, so fun. Um, what about the beasts? I love some of the new beasts that we met, especially the Chinese dragon the, like, lion dragon. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of my cat, St. George the Dragon Slayer. It makes sense. Like, I think George snuck off and was in this movie without me realizing it. Well, you do leave the house a lot. I know. Like, I go to work. Yeah, there's no telling what he's doing. There's no telling what he's doing. I liked the big eyeballs. Mm -hmm, Remember mm -hmm. those things? I do. Yeah, and they needed their eye drops. (laughs) Yes. There were a lot of beasts in the background, But unlike the first movie, they weren't really at the forefront of the film. Yeah. They just sort of happen to be what Newt does. Right. The the whole Grindelwald and Credence plot line was the main thing with this film. Right. Um, Now, Jen, you've already mentioned your frustration with Dumbledore's nose, and I know you'd like to talk a lot about that, but let's just leave it at that for now, and why don't you talk about... Did I say Grindelwald or Dumbledore? Dumbledore. Okay, great. Then why don't you talk a little bit about Dumbledore and his character and personality in this film? Okay, here's my potentially unpopular opinion. And I am open to shifting this opinion depending on how movie three resolves things. Okay. I actually like that this Dumbledore, a younger Dumbledore, pre-Grindelwald battle Dumbledore, is leading his personality, his interactions with people, with his charisma. Because later on in the Harry Potter books, it's very clear that Dumbledore is leading and making decisions, interacting with people with wisdom. That's sort of the way he leans into the world. The charisma just happens to be there because he can't help being so charismatic. Right. 
but I like the fact that they're showcasing either intentionally or unintentionally a version of Dumbledore who has not yet gained all of the wisdom and learned to cling to the wisdom that older Dumbledore does. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to come. I think this battle with Grindelwald, this man whom he used to be incredibly close, hold incredibly dear, and quite frankly, a man who has gone down a very dark road that Dumbledore could have gone down. Right. Like, when they were teenagers, part of the backstory is that they were in this together. Mm -hmm. And so it is a very humbling thing for a character like Dumbledore to have to choose to battle and end this person's... He doesn't, he doesn't kill Grindelwald, but to end his reign, to end his power. Right. Um, to essentially destroy everything that really he even helped build, Grindelwald build up in the early years. Yeah, I mean, it's this age-old story of the person you love becomes less important than this ultimate battle of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And as much as you love this person in it, you see this already, you see this pain in Dumbledore. I mean, he can't fight him mm-hmm. because of the vow they made, but but he loves him. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that play out. Yeah. So I think, hopefully, the third movie will showcase it well, the shift into Dumbledore's wisdom and maturity that comes at the hand of suffering. Um, now, here's another thing that I really am not happy about. Okay. One of the reasons the movie got a minus, A minus, almost a B. Let's talk about Lita Lestrange. What? Who? Why? Why? Why is she even there? Why does she have that much of a plot line? Why do we get backstory on Lita Lestrange... At all, when it's like really doesn't move the plot forward that much and she's done by the end of the movie. I mean, at the end of the movie, I was, this is the biggest point of my confusion. Mm -hmm. Is who is this girl and why do I know so much about her and what does she have to do with Credence? Yeah. Here's the thing. There's not really a reason other than like, here's what I think. I think they're trying to showcase that dark wizarding families and Slytherins can have threads of goodness and light to them. And that they're not all monsters, mm-hmm. which I totally get. I appreciate that it's not a black and white thing they're showcasing. But also, like, why are you wasting my time with this character trying to build my attachment to her when she doesn't actually actively relate to the other characters? Yeah. And she's gone and done by the end of the movie. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it didn't push the plot. It felt like a big waste of time. And then you have her fiancé, Newt's brother. I mean, who cares? Oh, he who lost his fiancé? No clue. I mean, I got nothing. And I, then Newt liked her before or something. I was just like, no all this is just so random. I would love to know more about Newt's brother because apparently he's going to be around for movie three. It would be yeah. nice to know what's going on there. Yeah. But there was no character attachment built with the brother who actually is going to be around for the audience to attach to. And speaking of people who could have gotten more uh, FaceTime, mm-hmm. Queenie. Oh! Queenie! Woo! What is going on with Queenie? Okay, you start, because I can't, I gotta, I gotta have a minute. Okay, first of all, you know, Jen and I have gone back and forth about this because she's a therapist, and so she understands people, but I personally <laughs> don't think that it's realistic for someone who's in a relationship to say one thing 
you're crazy. And then the person just runs off and abandons them. I, here's the thing. I do agree up to a certain extent. The thing, the first time that she runs out when the I'm crazy comment gets dropped and she just disapparates. I find that completely believable because people sometimes just react off the cuff and they just flee. Go. Yeah. The second round, at the end of the movie, when Grindelwald's got his blue flames up and he's calling people to join him, to pass through the flame, to join the true side, blub and serve wizarding kind for the greater good. When the your crazy comment gets dropped then, it it was completely unbelievable to me that Queenie would actually side with Grindelwald. Yeah, she just goes to the dark side? There was so much buildup in the first movie about how strong she was, both mentally and emotionally. Because remember, she can read everyone's brain. She can read everyone's mind. Yeah, yeah. So she knows the dark thoughts that people have, and yet somehow she has this, like, fortitude in her character to not be just, like, demolished by them. Mm -hmm. She remains able to love and move toward people. And it's one of the most incredible pictures ever of what the light in someone's heart does against the darkness in someone's heart. Mm-hmm. And so for them, I again, I understand why they might have wanted Queenie to go to the dark side. I mean, because you can, you can kind of see it. Sure. Because he's, like, basically preaching this message of you should be free to... Essentially, do what you want to do. Love he, what you want. He do. being Grindelwald. Yeah, and and I think the point of hey, even the best people can get sucked into a dark message if it plays on their pain enough. Right. Or like you don't have to be a monster to join a, a bad force. Right. Um. So I get that they're trying to showcase that, and it's yeah. like Queenie is one of the most pure, beautiful loving, tender-hearted, but also strong characters. So it's like, aha, we'll get them really good by getting Queenie over to the dark side. Right. But again, they, there was not enough happening on screen for me to believe that the bulwark of her character was so fully turned to the yeah. dark side. Yeah. It, it wasn't enough. We got background screen time with Lita Lestrange, but not enough screen time to see the transition in Queenie to make it believable. Right. I mean, it does help, I guess, that she shows up and she's has her uh, partner under a spell. Yeah. You know, so she's kind of she's panicking. She's kind of losing it. Mm-hmm. She's you can tell she's, she's losing it. But but it, it was it was a low point. I mean. Um, also, another person who got screen time who had no point in getting screen time. Newt's assistant. Yeah, what was that? Why did we have any assistant cast at all? That was easily a couple minutes worth of the movie that could have been devoted to backstory and development elsewhere. And they just, like, threw it away with some random assistant you never see again and that you don't care about. Yeah, it's it's really just too bad. Um, okay, la- last, last big point. Mm. Who is Credence? Credence. It, no, not Clearwater Revival. Is he Dumbledore's brother? I don't think so. I think that, here, personal opinion, I think that is something that Grindelwald is naming just to 
get Credence to do what he, Grindelwald, wants Credence to do. Okay. Like, your brother, this great and powerful wizard, is actually the one who turned against you. Uh-huh. And so he's the one that we have to go after now. I don't think Credence is actually attached to any specific wizarding family. That's yeah. sort of my sort of fan theory right now. Yeah. I think he is just a, a, a magical person who was abused and mistreated as a baby and as a child, and this is the result of his magical trauma. Yeah. I don't think you have to be part of any special wizarding family to have that as a result. Yeah. Yeah, I... Um, I just want everyone to know Jen's tearing up. It's no big deal, um, but I just wanted. To I have a lot of thoughts and feelings. I just needed it to be known. Um, okay, so I will go back to. We did get the backstory from Lita Lestrange mm-hmm. that Credence got switched on this boat with the actual Lestrange baby, and then his family went down, or whoever he was with. Mm-hmm. So that does kind of give us a little bit in that, like. Okay, it's even more mysterious where mm-hmm. this guy came from, and this is why we can't figure out who he is. And he's longing for a sense of who am I. He's longing for a sense of where do I come from, where do I belong. Yeah. And Grindelwald is so brilliantly playing and manipulating. Calling him on that son. Pain. Yeah, giving him a name, even though it's the name of Dumbledore, who is now your enemy. He's giving him a sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Even though Grindelwald was, in the very beginning, in disguise... The one who was grooming and abusing him in the first place. Mm. And he is still able to reel Credence back in by doing the same thing that he did with Queenie, that he's doing with millions of wizards, probably, of playing on their pain and manipulating them into a sense of, okay, this is where I belong. This is my place. Yeah, so, I mean, overall, a lot lot of good stuff. Some disappointing stuff. We're going to... We'll, see, we'll find out with the next one. Movie three. Got a lot to do. Can't wait. So, okay, Jennifer, to finish up, what's caught your eye lately? I've been listening to the audiobook version of The Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. It's pretty great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on book two, first time through. I get you, Peg. I get you. This is, this is my second first time through. Because the first time I did the first time through, I didn't finish. Yeah. So this is my second first time through. Okay, wow. I thought you had read them all. I, you would think that, wouldn't you? I would. I know. Yeah. Well, like, what's got your eye? So, um, Road Trip, Always Want to Have a Podcast, Serial, as we probably every human on the face of the earth listened to the first um, season. Some of us went on a serial tour in Baltimore <laughs> and saw the park where the body was found. Right. That was pretty uncommon, but people did it. People did it. Serial season three, it's it's really interesting. It was slow. It's They just basically went to the Cleveland courthouse and sat around for a year. And they tell you different stories with each episode. And a lot of them tie in together. And mm. started out slow, but I, I really started to enjoy it. And it's opening up two worlds that I'm not in at all. One being the justice system. Don't understand it. Not familiar with it. Um, and one being just low-income, high-crime communities. Excellent. Crash course in education. Yeah, so not familiar with either of those experiences and learning a lot about both of them and how they're highly connected, uh, of course. Um, And then, what about Dirty John? Oh, boy. 
big thing to say. Big things. So the first episode for Bravo's TV series, Dirty John, dropped this weekend, Sunday night. We had a watch party. We post about it on Instagram. And Tara Newell commented. Okay, if you don't know who Tara Newell is, she's basically the hero of all things Dirty John. That's right. We won't spoil why. I mean, her and Jacqueline. Jacqueline, yeah. But Tara's amazing. Yeah, mostly Tara. And she sent us three hug emojis. She commented on our Instagram photo. So, like, that's essentially three hugs. Probably two to me, one to you, Jen. That's fair enough. Yeah, thank you. That's fair enough. We're going to invite her to be on the show. Yeah, so we're in a conversation with her. So stay tuned. It's very exciting. We're going to talk more about Dirty John, uh, the show, and also about the show Homecoming um, because we're enjoying both of those. Uh, But, yeah. Anything else? That's it for me. It's uh, been a great show. Thanks for listening to Fem Pop. I'm Peggy Ray. I'm Jennifer. Have a good one.